recording on our uh, Zoom H4N. If anyone wants to sponsor the podcast, <laughs> but this one is really popular. This Zoom. Yeah, this is the the one. The, the one. Yeah. All right. Uh, welcome to Post Apocalyptic. This is Rob. This is John. This is going to be the Corey Feldman edition again. Corey Feldman. <laughs> we uh, apologize ahead of time to anyone who does not want to hear about Corey Feldman. You can just skip right to the middle. Maybe I don't know. I don't who know. Knows? Well, John and I once again working together. Um, went down a weird rabbit hole of Corey Feldman streaming movies. None of these are purchased, so everyone slow your roll. Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty rough, actually, as far as our selection. watch selection yeah. or whatever. It was just, it's usually there's some sort of, I'm not going to use the word redeeming, but there's yeah. some sort of charm. Yeah. That's, that's not the right word. But there's something about it where you can go, okay, if anything else, it's just, a bad movie or right. it was done consistently bad and you can kind of laugh at that or wonder why someone gave money to this thing up to two million on a few of these oh, <laughs> it just hurts my heart the Corey stuff was just it, i don't know it was just i couldn't even make heads or tails of what I, I was watching and i feel bad slightly for uh Zach, our young, optimistic PA, who's, you know, working on a script that's probably going to sell. I mean, he is talented. But just to watch all these films going, wait, why is not, why isn't mine sold? Mine's in... Right. Because when your biggest name is, we'll get into it, Edward Furlong and Corey Feldman in 2014 and not 1990. Yeah. Like, how? Like, that can't be, we got a million dollars because we got Corey Feldman. Yeah, I, yeah, you think if that's what it was, but I'm sure it's part of it. You know, just sort of in film school with that whole three strikes poster, <laughs> as I was telling you. Man, it burns deep. <laughs> it was just like, uh, friend Valerie and I, we sort of, I brought up the poster to her, and it was sort of like, take this two away. It's like, yeah. oh, we have to make this shit, right. you know, in order to get a film made or if they're making this mm-hmm. we got a shot like this they're making this so yeah. my stuff is better than this so i can go ahead and have faith that you know keep doing what i'm doing yeah. and my stuff is obviously gonna sell you know i mean it's different now but yeah you just kind of kind of got to look at that and go why isn't it happening for me and it's happening for these guys who obviously have never even made a film. Yeah. Or someone who just, hey, I want to make a movie, which is fine. But, you know, you just think about, uh, just rambling. You just think about, like, <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite, which is an amazingly shot and crafted movie, I think, uh, for half a million, you know? Yeah. And you think, you have $2 million. Why are you making something that, I don't know where the $2 million went, looks like. You spent like a couple hundred bucks, right. literally a couple hundred bucks on at least something you and I would spend a couple hundred bucks on come with the probably a better result, but a similar result right. if we weren't trying. Right. But it's like, I, I just don't get it. And the Corey stuff, you know, part of me is like, because we grew up with, you know, him and Corey Haim and that whole uh, core group. And part of you is like, well, he should know better. That kind of thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Like, he knows better. Like, he's been in much better. Right. You know? And I don't know. I kind of think, because we talked about it, I kind of think that he's loving it. I mean, it yeah. just looks like 
yeah, this is where I want to be. This is this is great. Like these are my movies. I'm gonna to my fans. I'm gonna say, you know, watch me in the the Zombie King, yeah. and it, it's. I mean, this is this is where I am. Yeah, you know, and I, you know, you want to think that he's like some of these guys that we watch. You're like, oh, he's just miserable in the yeah. role. Like, why am I here? How many more takes? Or uh, if you want to do that, do some of the early Dean Cain oh, yeah. uh, family <laughs> films. He does not want it. But he's now embraced them because now it's a uh, more lucrative for him. But yeah. if you go to some of the early Dean Cain ones. There's literally ones where I don't think he's acting when he takes a big sigh. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> All right, let's go uh, see what that disturbance yeah. is. Like like a rehearsal like, take. <laughs> like using it as an opportunity to just um, express his annoyance with the whole thing. Oh, I get to sigh here? <sighs> oh, not that not that much, can't, Dean. You pull it back a little bit. He's not going to pull it back. Yeah. He's That's real. You got your one take? Yeah. I'm moving on. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just it's those are the transition films yeah. that Dean came from, like the Lois and Clark and the, uh, being in movies and being yeah. a, a name to like okay now you're in talking pig movies and Christmas <laughs> movies and it's like, ooh, I gotta yeah. take swallow this is him swallowing that pill. Yeah, finally, like you said today, you know, um, it, having a family, being older, I know I did. Uh, uh, don't trust the bee with him. Loving it. I mean, granted, it was a much better yeah. production than what he was working on. And he was playing himself in a in a version of himself. You know, just sort of happy family guy, yeah. nicest guy on the set. Uh Brandon Beek's pretty nice too. But it's like he's embraced it because, you know, family, family films, paying the bills, gets yeah. to, you know you know, gets to gets to live off of uh doing what he, you know kind of loves acting i don't know if you call that acting, yeah. but well yeah. i think too it's a he can en- enjoy the fact that people respond to these films the way he probably didn't think they would yeah it's like oh is this the set uh, when i was on lois and clark our sets were this and then there's a reaction like oh my god i loved you in the talking pig movie or the saving santa movie and then all right and i'm sure now they're like christmas movies are a big market now more so than they were yeah. when he was doing whatever one we saw with the one set Right, but yeah, with the Corey thing, there was that level because we bounced. We watched a newish one for it was like probably five years old. Then we saw one in '94, and there's that weird thing yeah. of I forgive a lot of bad films in the '80s and '90s because those were backed for some reason. Like now, like you see this some of these films that we saw. It's like this clearly was shot on someone's iPhone on the weekend. Why is it streaming? Right, you know, how did it get a distro deal? How like there's more questions on current stuff. Like, movies from the 80s, 90s, I forgive. Even if they're bad, I'll forgive a lot of older films. Like, we saw 1994, A Dangerous Place. Mm-hmm. Corey Feldman as a karate kid. Not the karate kid. Yes. A karate kid. But it's weird where, like, you feel bad because that was a few movies after, like, Dream a Little Dream or whatever his 1990 hit was. Mm-hmm. And this movie looks so that it was a tv movie it felt like a tv movie oh, yeah. although we never really got the it was never really got a full i mean imdb can only have so much information right on every film but you know it was the karate kid story kind of mixed with gleaming the cube story where kid's brother dies so he's gonna go karate up the bad guy and find out how he died but you know how the kid how his brother died was pretty weird and vague and not vague i mean literally cory Feldman 
murdered him, but reasons are just weird. Like the, yeah. the motivation of everything was weird. And then, then they had to go to a karate tournament and it was literally the bad karate guys against the good karate guys. Like the ones that are like the no mercy guys against the, you know, karate is a self-defense. And you're like, holy crap. Yeah. This is 10 years after the karate kid. Definitely. I mean, of course they were playing on those sort of tropes and, you know, uh, seeing Corey Feldman as a badass karate it's like it's not working yeah. and that whole cowlick or whatever he's yeah he's he has the hair and you know he's you know he's bad because he has a leather jacket yeah and it's like what is this like grease yeah but like it also looked like it was shot in like the 80s it, or we had a couple people walk by in our office going is this an 80s movie yeah. it's like no this movie is 20 years old not 30 years old but yeah. it looked like it was 85 yeah it's it was like it's just a whole thing looked like it was that and i wonder if we would have watched it obviously we didn't watch it in 94 when right. it came out but if we'd have watched it then we probably would have been like why is i don't know if it's like did you been. shoot this in 89 yeah. and just releasing it now like it had this weird tv movie wash over it it, was, it just felt dirty Almost mm-hmm. like they didn't do, they forgot to like process the film correctly. Like it didn't go through the color pass. Yeah. You know, it's all balanced. They did like a, a one light, but that's it. We didn't do anything else. We transferred the film and here's your movie. I mean, I, I know they used to shoot, um, I don't know what this was shot on. They used to shoot the old TV movies in 16. Mm-hmm. Um, and they may have done that. And that may have been uh, why you see the, the framing, uh, yeah. what, it, what it was, the aspect ratio, what it was. And um, why it looked like that, but sixteen could look really good with great lighting and yeah. all that. But I mean, this was just—it wasn't like terrible, but it was yeah. definitely TV movie lighting. But just the motivations for everything was were just off. Yeah, you know, uh, from the opening scene with crashing through the window, and you know, with the car, and then crashing through another window with the bikes instead of going through. And you're on a bike. That'll going yeah. through a plate glass on I'm a bike will even, kill you. Yeah, it's just like someone said. Oh, that's just it'll look, be cool. It'll yeah. look cool. Yeah, and it's like yeah, you know that one guy brought it. Why didn't he go through the? I mean, if you're on a bike, yeah. you're just going to go you're through that. Go right through it. You might hit that glass and not break. Yeah, because you might not have enough weight on your rubber tire to break. And then you know those guys shut up. It's cool. Right. I mean, you know, because we hit slow mo. <laughs> through the glass and you're just like oh, yeah you gotta get that and go oh wow this is cool i guess yeah but you know there was a line i'm gonna give it away but there was a line <laughs> spoilers on that Spoiler place. go see the dangerous <laughs> place in the beginning in the opening scene where uh you know they're breaking into the the um uh, car dealership whatever mm-hmm. um the guys go Corey's friends go he's got the right idea so then i'm thinking oh Great. He crashed through the plate glass yeah. window, went, you know, and uh, diverted the cops away from us. He's got the right idea. Let's go follow him through the window. He just went yeah. out of. Not literally, he has the right idea to go through the window. Yeah. That was the only thing. And then we'll follow him with the. It just didn't make any sense. Obviously, it's uh, not realistic, but you know what? Willing suspension of disbelief, we can do that. Uh, it's a TV movie, yeah. but uh, it was just like from that on, it's like I don't know. And even we have, you know, sort of very sophisticated palettes now. I mean, we we work in the business, yeah. we've seen a bunch. 
we have streaming now so we can watch this stuff night and day yeah um we know how the how the uh the sausage is made so we analyze things a little differently right now were we however we were when this came out i don't know if we would scrutinize it like we do now but even then i don't i don't know it's just seems... i think i would have given up a little sooner like in 94 i was still watching some bad stuff but i don't know if i would have sat through that yeah maybe i mean early. i would have sat through it because i'll sit through anything Just but 94 probably not but like earlier yeah when you're like you're a kid kid and you don't you know i would have probably liked it if it was on hbo yeah like oh it's on hbo and and that's the thing it's like you get pretty forgiving on some movies but there it was just like even that thing where it's like he goes into the car dealership it's a brand new it's a brand it's a new car dealership that sells broncos and dirt bikes not by the same company you're like what lot is it and i get <laughs> right. it's story device but when those little things just start stacking up and then you're just nothing is believable you just start picking right. everything up like like you said napoleon dynamite not a film i actually enjoy but i appreciate it like mm-hmm. like you said they put it all on the screen cleverly written yeah. they did something that would have been terrible in someone else's hands that movie could have been awful yeah in the wrong hands and they did a great job i'm just not i never understood the the love for that film yeah like i saw it and I went yeah that's okay good it was more of that good for you guys you made a film this is gonna right. take your career somewhere it's a good that was a good calling card film yeah for, for me for me that that film was um it's one of those rare films for me where i the first time i saw it i don't even know if i finished it okay i was like because it was i remember being on a show and you know, with the showrunner had like five kids, five girls, okay. you know, so they all were big Napoleon Dynamite fans. Like they had, you know, the Liger and everything. They were wow. doing it like everywhere. And it was like, they were quoting the movie. They had the um, vote for Pedro thing, which wow. I still don't get, but they had yeah. that shirt. And I was like, wow, I guess I got to see this thing. So at that point, I really wanted to hate it. Yeah. And so I looked at it and I didn't. I didn't get it. Like, yeah. I didn't like it. I was, was like, this is like a student film that, yeah. like, ballooned into a feature. And yeah. I was, like, hey, underwhelmed. And I don't know what made me go back and look at it, but uh, I did. And what I really like about it is the story. Okay. Um, and how things are actually, uh, the script is really crafted really well. John Heater who mm-hmm. plays Napoleon Dynamite is really good and does certain things. Each character does certain things that I think is brilliant. And so for that reason, mm-hmm. um, I like it. And I feel like it, that it's specific to that place. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm in that place, um, you know, and there's certain reasons why, you know, I, I like it and I like it cause it's not a perfect movie, but I, I kind of like it because it is that. Which I think is kind of hard to to do, um, and I thought it was shot for a lot more than five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, um, you know, so I I do enjoy it for those reasons, but I I absolutely wanted to hate it and did not like it the first time I watched it, and for years I was just like, I still don't get to vote for Pedro. I did that 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 caught on. Yeah, like, well, the characters kind of like okay and i don't know i think it's just an easy shirt that's a good reference like it's something you can buy that represents the movie yeah because you can't always do that with a lot of films it's 
like a Star Wars movie, unless you're buying a shirt that has Star Wars on it, you can't just wear a shirt going, hey, it's like that shirt that, you know, Poe's wearing. Oh, is it? Like you get a vote for Pedro. Yeah. That's in the movie. It's in the It's <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. And you know. Right. And, and, and there's that. But it was like, hey, isn't that funny? I was like, well... No, I mean I, I don't really. <laughs> no, end of discussion. I will see you later. It's not, I mean it just never resonated with me, and that character is sort of. I mean I think the actor played well, but it's I have a little issue with the character. But it's uh, you know, for what it is, I think that you know they did very well for what they had. Right. You know, um, and I don't expect every movie to be you know Star Wars or yeah. Blade Runner or anything like that. That has the, the Marvel, that has the budget. But yeah. if you do the best you can with what you have, mm-hmm. you know, like the mumble core, or, you know, just yeah. stuff that, like, you go, oh, wow, it was really good, you know? Yeah, I'm not expecting, you know, a big budget, but, you know, for what they had, they yeah, did really the well. The people that use what they have in the different way. Right. Like, I mean, they, oh, they construct it. Cause that's the thing, like, like I was saying, is like, it's hard to judge films like a dangerous place. It can just be bad or good. You can. There's only so much you you could literally just fix with that film. Yeah. But I think it's because that was just made differently. Like, you have the movies that became, let's say, like, more of the indies in the late 90s, early 2000s, like Napoleon Dynamite, Clerks, and then then all of a sudden everyone can make a film. You know, because you get to the yeah. 2000s, like, oh, everyone can make a film. So it's easier to dissect those going, well, why didn't they just do this? And why didn't they do that? That would have just made more, like, you, you can logically pick them apart. Because you know you had the ability to do it. Like, A Dangerous Place was a studio film. And it was like, sure. we're basically making a version of Karate Kid. So you can go through it going, well, logically they wouldn't be doing this, but whatever. I don't know. It's like there's something about some older films you can only pick apart so much. Like, all right, good for you. Yeah. Now it's just so easy to, like, go to that next one. Like, um, what do we watch? So we watched A Dangerous Place. And I think, too, it's so funny where you're like, you don't feel bad for Corey in a lot of the newer films where you're like, oh, really? Is that what you're doing? Yeah. Whereas that you knew that was the downside of sort of his career. He was in, you know, um, it was like the Burbs, Dream a Little Dream. He had all these little things. And then you see this and you're like, how did, is this before those? Right. Oh, this is after. <clears throat> so you feel yeah. almost like, I wonder if he knew he was on the downside. Was he on set going, man, we're making an updated Karate Kid. This is cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what he was thinking there. I just know he was very tortured. Yeah. Uh, as a, kid, a child actor, he didn't want to act, and his parents uh, forced him to, and and there was other things going on. So it, it, there was... But at this point, though, like, yes, he had a shitty childhood. I saw the two Corys, Lifetime, yeah, uh, yeah. Truth Movement, hashtag. Um, <laughs> but at this point, he had already, like, completely separated from his parents this was like choices he was making then. He was a full-on adult. Right. And that's the thing. It was like he legally separated at, I think, 16 or 17 from the parents so he could just be his own guardian, control his own money. And I know that was the easiest way probably for him to make money is, well, I still have my name. I can still yeah. I can still make the burbs. I can still be in these films, you know, and people know who I am. I can cash on that to, like, maybe pay bills and, you know, go do my music or whatever so like this is not one where his parents were forcing him to do this movie you know it's like you better go do that karate kid movie so this was a conscious choice but i just didn't know it's like does he know at this point 
where he is because the couple movies prior to this were all pretty much straight to video were these just caches like was he hoping this was going to be bigger i mean you always hope for that but yeah or did he know it's like cash grab i don't care i think i mean cash grab i mean it's the 90s i'm sure you got like 30 grand yeah he didn't get much (laughs) but i think what was enticing to him probably was you know Corey feldman in a dangerous place like he got top billing yeah so he felt like maybe this is this is the start of something. Yeah. This is like, you know, I use this TV movie. Maybe the agent sort of pitches it as, hey, you get this. Gets, you are the star yeah. of this film. You're the star. Because in the other stuff, he's never really starred in a film. He's always been like either with Cor- the other Corey right. or in an ensemble, but not really carrying a film, so yeah. to speak. So this one, you know, he did. And I can see him going, okay, yeah, yeah, this is good. You know, and it's a studio film. It's not, you know indie film so um you know maybe it was he thought you do this then this will springboard you into features starring Corey Feldman right and like you can enter that part of your career and um and it could have been the Karate Kid thing was big so maybe he thought, oh yeah yeah I can be like you know Machio or yeah it it wasn't and, and the movie wasn't like terrible it was just not, it was that movie of that time like you yeah. watch it it's exactly what those movies are yeah they didn't, they didn't do anything new they weren't trying anything mm-hmm. it was just and i think that was sort of maybe the problem even though he was the star and he was the main bad guy the lead kid was a star but you weren't following anyone close enough mm-hmm. so it wasn't like it was hard to get behind anyone so at one point you're just like sure you guys are fighting Great. yeah the lead kid was absolutely the star but it's like he wasn't he's not gonna get top billion people are not going to watch because Corey had some profile obviously um just like maybe turn it into another Corey film film lost boys where uh Kiefer sutherland you know he's not the star but you remember Kiefer sutherland from the yeah. movie right he literally has like maybe two to five lines of dialogue yeah. in the whole movie yeah but he turned it into something great with just his uh, nonverbal uh uh, work on that film where you're like wow you know i really it's an indelible uh performance yeah uh but he realizes like, he didn't say anything like he always says come on michael yeah that's i think he says that about eight times yeah and that's it and it's like Corey feldman even though he's not you know as far as taking real estate of the the script um the star of the film he you know he is probably on the set you know number one on the call sheet that kind of thing so he figured you know i'll do this you know i'll be a badass and i'll be a bad bad guy because yeah. he's a bad guy in this so it's yeah. like fingerless gloves you know I oh mean, yeah i mean that's what that means the minute he put the fingerless gloves on it's like oh i guess he's the bad guy i thought he was the good guy but fingerless gloves it's like those things where how do we know he's the bad guy fingerless gloves leather jacket white t-shirt motorcycle yeah it's like Okay, and then the um, sensei, the bad sensei of the bad uh, uh, karate <laughs> dojo, he's got a, when he's out of the dojo, he's got a leather jacket too. Yeah, you know, and a menacing look, and it's like, okay, now we know. So if I watch the, sh- the movie Silent, which I'm not going to do, um, I can know who's bad, who's yeah. good. Um, but you know, that's the way it is. I mean, look, it's TV. They probably have writers for movies. Yeah, and they go, hey give me a karate kid yeah and they put these guys on it or girls on it and 
they turn out this stuff and it, there's a schedule and it's a factory. It's, yeah. It's, it's not, you know, it's not going to be anything groundbreaking. Yeah. That's not what they're about because they know their audience, middle America, this is what's going to get views yeah. because I think this is on the tail end of the whole TV movie phenomenon where people actually watch TV yeah. movies and there wasn't 500 channels. So it was like, oh, okay, well, we got this new karate movie. I have a kid. I'm going to sit him in front of the TV and uh, we're going to watch it. Yeah, I mean, if they were running things differently, this would have been like a Cinemax exclusive yeah. or a Showtime exclusive, but that was before they were buying doing original content so right oh also too like if you were the school bully sometimes or the asshole boyfriend you were the blonde guy that drove the porsche who was rich <laughs> right so that right. was it so if all of a sudden he just like comes in with this coffee blonde hair in a porsche oh yeah that's the bad guy yeah, that's bad <laughs> or if it was uh james spader it was either james spader or some other blonde guy with yeah a porsche. <laughs> it's james spader or insert blonde bad guy because you think like uh, from the Karate Kid, and then um, was it just one of the guys and a few other William Zabka, blonde hair, just throw him, throw him in a portion, some fingerless gloves. You can play any part. There it is, you know, and it's like that, and that guy plays that part in every movie, and it's like, and he's oh. great, and that's you feel bad because you watch some of the, like the crappy films he did because he he was kind of smart. He did that same character, did some crappy films, sort of disappeared for a little bit, then came back. It was almost like he got the script. You're just playing Johnny Lawrence. Okay. Yeah. That was it. He didn't even care. He just showed up. He's like, I wonder if I'm the good guy or bad guy. Here's your leather jacket. Oh. oh. <laughs> That's going to be your car. You have the Ferrari. Oh. Yeah. All right. Make it super dicky. Oh. Okay. Because if you, if you were the, uh, speaking of like uh, Can't Buy Me Love or something, if you're the hero, you're on a bike. You can't afford a car. For some reason, I don't know why you can't have a car and be the hero. And the... Um I guess all the bad guys just have parents who give them, you know, nice cars. It was. I guess it was that weird thing of, I think we talked about it in New 4. It's like, not all the bad guys, but like those guys were the rich guys. And then everyone else had to get dropped off by their mom or ride the bike. So you had to like, I guess that was just the the yeah. class warfare of the 80s or whatever. Sort of binary thing. Uh, either rich or poor. It's like, oh. But you think, like if... if I doubt if it's, you know, dad's Porsche. He's not borrowing the car to go to high school. Yeah. You know, he's got his own Porsche. At that point, I don't know if you're going to public school. You're going to private school, you know? Look, you can have the car and go to public or go to private and no car. Oh, kid's going to say (laughs) car in public all the time. Yeah, because I can just drive up to school and be king. Yeah. I've seen enough of these movies. I got my fingerless gloves. Sure. (laughs) You know, how many kids, you know, went to their parents and said, uh, about college, I was thinking if you could just give me all that money and I'll buy a Ferrari. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's yeah, no. Um, but then, uh, then the dad's an alum, and then they're just you know grandfathered into the college anyway, so go. it doesn't matter. Yeah, see, this thing is like you can still get there. <laughs> so, do you um, think uh, Patrick Dempsey in any of those movies where he goes into the store? I like some fingerless gloves. Where do you live? Oh, sorry. Ooh, oh, no. you came in on a bike. Sorry. I, I mean, you movie. look tough, but you can't have the fingerless gloves. <laughs> yeah, that was. I mean, it's, look, wardrobe is, you know, does a lot. But it's like, that was when, okay, what are they wearing? Sort of growing out of the 50s. What are you wearing? Yeah. And what you wear determines how tough you are. Irrespective of how you look. Like, it's right. Patrick, young Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. You put him in anything. It's like, yeah, it's, this guy's not tough. But he's going to be tough for us. Corey Feldman, you know? Yeah. And his, I forget, what do you call that? that uh robe or whatever 
Oh, the ghee? The ghee. Yeah, you put him in the ghee and you go, you get that little cowlick and a little scowl that he has. You go, oh, well, he's badass. Yeah. He's like, you know, well, he's the, like, the best part was that they wore his fingerless gloves in the karate match. And it's like, I don't think you're allowed, <laughs> like, external. <laughs> like, sure. Why not? And, too, how many. Because you know he wanted to do it. Illegal kicks to the throat and head were in this tournament at school. And I was like, I don't think this is allowed. No, no, there was yeah, it was, just, it was, it was like, like all uber violent sport. <laughs> lady Bloodsport, if you're interested in uh, lady lady blood, blood fight. Oh, yeah. lady blood fight because it wasn't Bloodsport. Yeah, because they couldn't. I guess they couldn't uh, use Bloodsport. Yeah, uh, John Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Then um, now we're gonna jump to a current ish film, uh, The Zombie King. Ooh, this one only came on because starring Edward Furlong, court starring. Yeah. Air quotes, everyone. Ugh. It was a British film. It's ba- imagine it Shaun- was a British film. It was a British right, film. Yeah. It, imagine Shaun of the Dead. Mm-hmm. But then I think they some sub story that we didn't know until the credits rolled that Edward Furlong was the zombie king. <laughs> and they were each in it five minutes and had scenes together, air quotes again, because they were never in the same scene. Didn't look like it. Because yeah. they are their eye lines never matched. Corey was up really high all the time, but Edward Furlong always looked straight. And like I think you were the one saying Corey acted at eleven as Kafu. The well, no, that he should have been the zombie. That game. was Zach said that, but oh. yeah, it was. They were obviously not in the same space, and I mean that like psychically, physically, <laughs> like, like, like they were, they not, were in two different movies. They were not in the same movie. Right. Like at all. And I think from what I could tell furlong was like, Corey was high, like physically up on the thing. Yeah. But, but furlong was high, but not just, but he was, he sitting was high. Down. He was, he looked like he was just didn't know where. He and was. it was, you feel bad because he's had a tough life, different tough life than, yeah. Feldman and he's still going through it. This was drug bloat and it was sad. It was just like he came on screen and you're like, please tell me you were in makeup. He this is a look. It was looking rough, man. He was looking rough. Edward Furlong's one of those actors who should never have been uh, an actor. He should never have been uh, in. Again, he's in one of the most iconic movies of all time. And he's great too. in it. Yeah. But he should have never been in it because it was one of those child things going into that world. And then, you know, what happened. And he probably was a, you know, a good kid that probably if he, he was like been... probably borderline. Yeah. Like it was just yeah, enough yeah. where it's like that wrong career path. Right. Because exactly. honestly, like he was only good. I've seen saw him in a few things after Terminator and he was OK. Mm-hmm. Never. He was never terrible. But you're right, though. He of the million kids in the world that could have played that part. There's probably about 10 other kids that yeah. they could have gotten. He was probably the best at that moment without knowing any story. Right. In retrospect, I'm sure now it's like, oh, let's just. Right. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, I, I feel I always feel bad for like, you know, kids who sort of get into it that didn't push the parents. And it's in order for a kid to really um, pursue this, it's has to be a, a level of commitment from the parents that uh, is above what most parents would do. Yeah. You know, a lot of times you hear, well, I told my parents I wanted to uh, be in the movies. We lived in Oregon. They packed up, moved to L.A., and here I am. I mean, 
most parents wouldn't. Yeah, they're not going to give up the career, right? So you can. I mean, you'll always do whatever you you you'll do the best you can for your kids, but right. the ability to like, no, we're going to pack up and move. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, oh, wow. I mean, obviously, it works for those people that you hear about. Yeah, but for most of the people, obviously, it it, it doesn't. But uh, it's really easy in the business to like go down the wrong path, especially in the uh, world of acting. Because there's just so much downtime and, you know, so much stuff out there, you know, and, and for an impressionable was, kid. And what was your stat? There's only like 3% of <clears throat> working actors within less, SAC. Less than three, like two and a half. So think percent about. who work and can feed themselves from working. Right. Yeah. So think about that when you're moving from Oregon, that 3%. And think about it. Go to Amazon. Go to Netflix. Scroll through past the movies you heard of. There are 6,000 other movies. A lot of those people can't feed themselves. Yeah. Because that was all they've done. So not that, I mean, if it's your dream, go for it. Never going to shoot anyone's dream down. But remember, 2.5% of working actors can feed themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Just by acting. Just just by acting. Yeah. And it's it's just... It's what it. It's what it is. Is you know you got to have the love, and I would never advise anyone to, or deter anyone from doing acting because of that. Yeah. Um, you could have a good career, friends who you know act every now and then on things, and but they do other things, you yeah. know, and they don't live these you know opulent lives that people not in Hollywood and not in the know would think they live just because they saw them on an episode of yeah this show or that show. Um, but most of the people you're watching. Who aren't you know in the front credits are, are not making you know the money they may be making yeah. you know what three grand for the week maybe yeah and that may be once or twice a year you can't yeah. live off of that so for 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 kids because like, we were talking about for kids for edward furlong it was like uh i know his parents were the same way or mom or whatever it was were like yeah let's just do it let's let's get you into acting let's you know supportive of it you know, got him into Terminator and all that. But then, and it probably didn't look out for him the way they should have, yeah. the way Corey's family, you know, didn't. You know, right. the way Corey Haynes' family probably didn't, the way Macaulay Culkin's family didn't. Right. You know, it's just Gary Coleman's <laughs> family did So it, it just, it just. Todd Bridges. You, and- Todd Bridges. <laughs> like, you have to look after your kid like it's your kid. Like, you have to always be right. there. And um, there's plenty of temptations out there and that's what happened you know and uh it's sad so i do have like a place in my heart that that has sympathy uh, for him but you know it's just sad to look at you know for long you know he's high or yeah. whatever and he's not really doing anything in the movie i don't know what he was doing but he just did nothing he was just the camera was on he was there he did a scowl or something i guess that's the king but it was like according to the credits okay yeah we somehow went on a thing where all of a sudden Eric Roberts was in every film we chose to watch right. in one scene. But he has a career path. I know he had drug issues in the past. So, like, even if you squash that, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. It's like, I'm in this film. I'm here one day. I might be making 12 grand for one day, but I'm going to shoot 27 films. Like, if you go to his IMDb, he has 27 things coming out. <laughs> Summer. Maybe he's more of the star in there somewhere. He's as a walk-on. I'm Eric Roberts. It's like a Bollywood actor. Yeah, exactly. But then you see Furlong, and you're like, oh shit, he needed this money. Like you, everyone yeah. needs money. Yeah, yeah. But like he, you're just like, oh no. 
Right. No, and, and that's and that's what the, all these projects that we projects that we watch mm-hmm. are projects. I, I'm calling them projects now. I can't call them movies. Um, they, <laughs> they, I'm with you with they, that. Uh, they're all like, I need to eat money. I mean, there yeah. are some big movies that we see actors and go, okay, he just a paycheck. He needed to yeah. pay off the mortgage or whatever. Friend of the director. Yeah. There's some reason he's doing yeah, this ex- film. Yeah. Exactly. And and so, so that we don't get it when we watch these. We're not expecting, you know, greatness. Actually, we're hoping for the opposite. Well, I mean, um, those two were in it. There was Zombie King. It started off, they were British. And it was like, oh, this is going to be great. Yeah, it, it could it, like it could have been like if you did the in, uh, did a little more with the concept of it. First of all, it would have to be a different movie. You have to pretty much tear down the whole thing because you have Corey and uh, Furlong, and I don't know what movie they were in, but it seemed to be disembodied from the the British yeah. uh, thing, which could have been interesting. Yeah, you know, as a sort of I don't know if it's a take, but sort of like a Shaun of the Dead type of feel right i don't know um well the premise of the movie was that edward furlong's life dies so he gets into voodoo this is all read about you didn't see any of this on the film this is based okay, on what they like, oh yeah john's like i didn't see that i was, was like, that in the bathroom? I was like wow that, that backstory <clears throat> no his wife dies he gets into voodoo summons kafu Corey feldman not the zombie king because Corey. so furlong is the zombie the, king for wife Wife died, even though he wasn't into voodoo at the time. He gets into voodoo. Kafu, he summons Kafu, asks Kafu for his wife back, which we never actually saw if his wife came back. And then around this one scene that happens at the, it's an hour 30, or hour 26, and this scene happens about hour 15 in the movie. Mm. At that point, there's just this sub-story of these three British guys walking around the countryside, Mm. occasionally seeing a zombie. And they should have been like, with Shaun of the Dead, Oh, well, they, were, yeah. uh, they were seeing zombie after zombie. These were guys going, what are we going to do? What's going on? We had no idea why those zombies were there. And then apparently it was because of this one moment that should have been the first thing of the movie. It should have been, I want to bring my wife back. There's consequences. And then everyone's dead wife appears. That's more interesting. And then... Well, I mean, you're... Like, what you just said <laughs> should have been, you know, part of the conversation of... The, of this movie you know getting this movie developed i mean it's just and and i'm sort of assigning processes that you and i know from business but i know development and all that's not a part of what this is they don't do that they don't like workshop scripts they don't it's just about hey i wrote a script in like two weeks i'm gonna go out and get money for it and i'm gonna shoot it yeah it was what if we did a Shaun of the dead great but I don't know. Once again, there's that weird path of how are you reaching out to uh, Edward Furlong and Corey Feldman? And were they, they did they have a lot more scenes and they went, this shit's not working? Were they, because they acted on different levels. So maybe there was more. And they were just like, yeah, we're just going to have more of them walking it, around. It, it, <clears throat> may, it may have been. I mean, I don't, I, it could have been anything. But it also could have just been the script. Yeah. Or maybe they didn't have a script. Maybe yeah. it's just do weird shit i don't know it looked like like no one knew what was going on and i didn't know what was going right. on. right and in every script no matter how good it is there's also there's always like especially if you do a quote-unquote homage yeah to something like why are you doing it what is it about this that is shauna the dead like if you're even trying to do something yeah. like that like 
What's your take? Right. It's what's like, your spin on? What is the story here? What's the conflict? What uh, what's going on here? These two zombie king Kefu. Sure. And <laughs> and the, the British uh, travelers like what? Like how do they tie in together? Yeah. Again. Do we ever see the three main guys with the zombie king and Kafu? Kalfu? I thought we saw one. I thought we saw a woman. Because I know all of a sudden they enter this church where those two guys are. And we're like, oh, they're tied together? Like, honestly, I didn't think they weren't even in the same town. I didn't either. But they did go into that church in that climactic scene. Yeah. And uh, I thought, wasn't there um, a woman in that pack? At some point. Yeah. Because it started off with the three dudes. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought she went into the church. Right. And then I was like, okay, then that's the connection. Yeah. Maybe she peeled off and then went into the church. That's the connection. But at that point, I had already checked out. I mean, it's... it's Well, it was just there was no... Like, explain the movie to me in the beginning, and then I'll, I'll be on your journey. Or pepper it through the story. But all of a sudden, there's this confrontation between two guys that we haven't seen the whole time. And then it's like, oh, all right. Yeah. It, How did that one end? Did it it just like went off into the woods or something, right? Yeah. Or was that uh well, the Terror Inside was the one where that guy pulled up in the yeah, limo. That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, yeah. We won't even talk about Terror Inside. That is I don't even know where to I don't know how to cuz I want to get to before the podcast and talk about exposure. Because the Terror Inside is just terrible. That this was Terror Inside is a God, uh, they all blend together. It was um it felt like when people were able to buy high-end digital cameras and decided to shoot a movie and that somehow Corey Feldman was in. Right. That he didn't write or direct. He was just the star. So that will we'll just just go look. Watch it. No, don't watch it. Then you'll blame us. Yeah. Don't <laughs> yeah, do don't, it. Don't watch Watch that. the trailer? Yeah. It's so, a trailer. You can stomach the trailer, I guess. So if there's a trailer. Uh, we just have to end on exposure. It's a movie by, uh, call him out, uh, written and directed by Gordon Scott Venters. Yes. Okay. Okay, sorry. Before we get to this, if you want to make a movie and credits, I know it's such a dumb thing. Watch a movie to understand how credits work. Yeah. Because we're watching movies and all of a sudden it'll be, I think it was Terror Inside did that, starring Corey Feldman, directed by this, and then more cast. That's the wrong order. Just watch a movie. Watch a TV show. That's the order you do. You know, there are, I guess, there are rules. Actually, I live in the world where I do this. There are rules. There are rules. You can't just go directed by and then put produced by or directed by, written by. There's an order. It should always end with directed by. That's just it. It just ends with directed by. And these movies, they just put them in whatever order, like special effects and directed by this guy, written and produced by this guy. No, you get each, just give everyone a credit. If you did two different jobs that are different... (laughs) Just give yourself two different credits. You don't have to combine them and put them in the wrong order. Right. I don't yeah. know. That just that. Like we watch so many movies where they just do the credits wrong, and it's frustrating because no, they it, you have an order. But but it, it but it, there is an order, and it may seem uh, silly to people who don't do this kind of stuff yeah. for a living. Living, but um, what we are as people who watch movies and TV shows. There's an order to credits that you're used to anyway. Yeah. Like you don't know that. So when this stuff happens, it's like, wait, starring, direct. It's very. Uh, it, it, it's, that, it's that magic eye thing. Like, you know, credits are happening. Like, our job, like what John and I do when we put credits on our show, 
we consciously put them in places that you don't notice, but they're there. Right. My goal is if you don't see the credits, I did my job in the sense of, oh, they just kind of flew. They were fluid. Like they didn't yeah. cross a cut. They weren't covering someone's face or hand movement or on a move. If you watch and go, oh, oh, the credits are over. Yeah. I did my job. Right. That and is it, the job. Right. And they're not interfering with the story <clears throat> or competing with the story or someone putting on someone's face and you can't. No, there's they need to be there right you know you need to give people credit but at the same time you know it needs to sort of be organic in that you can't be a distraction was it this movie that was the no that was the distraction it was was the um antonio banderas one where they put all the credits over a fight scene yeah that was and it was so fucking distracting where you know what if that's the only place you can do it do a main title sequence do just do some city shots like establish where we are Maybe a couple bar shots. Maybe have them sitting down a little longer. Get all your credits done. Don't do it over a fight scene. It's way too distracting and just irritating. I don't know why. It's just like I got like angry. Yeah, it's just it's just so much going on that you want to, you know, put your attention to right. like a, a fight. Like right. you, like you're in it. Like that's different than watching a walk and talk. Like you're in it. Yeah. And then you gotta. Go, oh, I gotta. Look, oh, this credits in the way. Like get out of the way. Yeah. And so you're like pushed and pulled between like the credit and you know Ben Darris kicking someone's ass yeah you know whatever and it's just it's just frustrating because you know this is like a story point like yeah and you want to enjoy a fight this is a story point yeah and you want to enjoy it yeah and you hired a stunt coordinator yeah stunt uh, stunt people you've done all this work for that Cut it the way you know you wanted to, and then you're gonna ruin it by putting credits. Yeah, there. it's like come on. It's like student films. I forgive. Like if you're, if this was the '90s, I forgive. Even though you can still just watch a movie, I forgive that like youthfulness yeah. of oh my god, this movie had Antonio Banderas and maybe five other people. I don't know. It was a studio film that had like ten backers behind it, and you got the credits wrong. Or maybe that guy was like, no, you can't do credits. I like, screw you. I'm- Right. I'm the director. I'm going to choose this. Um, I don't know why. There's just no excuse. Like now, considering you can stream anything and make a movie, just get the little things right. Just the, the tiniest things. It's so dumb. Just end. Always end with the director. Do whatever the fuck you want in the beginning. I don't care anymore. Yeah. Because <laughs> I know once I see director, it's over. But if I see director and then a second later I see another one, yeah. I'm angry. I'll still watch your movie, but <laughs> I know. <laughs> nothing will stop me from watching the film. And I think that in... And in America, that's what it is. I know I've seen um, uh, credits, like, say, from films from, like, Mexico that are different. Mm-hmm. But we're not talking about, you know, people that... Well, <laughs> and I know, like, in the UK, a lot of times they'll do they'll do some stars and created by, and in the end, put everything in the end. And some TV shows, they'll go through all of it, and in the end, and the last end credit is the directed by. So some there are different rules. There are multiple rules, but yes, we're talking about... American films. America first. Yeah. Um, hashtag America first. <laughs> All right. Exposure. <clears throat> Gordon Scott Venters made a film about naive models and them being taken advantage of. So it's like, great. Starring Corey Feldman. Even better. He's producing it. He has the fight, the truth movement fight about kids and, you know, Hollywood. So this is going to be about how to solve that problem. Right. It is not about solving that it's problem. Not. This was the one movie where none of us understood. Yeah, I don't know what it was about. 
So we started in the beginning. It was really creepy. Of course, it's once again, get a fat slobby guy. He'll be the perv. Awesome. Yeah. Where's his leather jacket? No, no, no. That bad guy's later. Yeah, you know, another bad guy. So that stuff, we kind of fast forward, uh, fast forward through a little bit because it was just kind of on that weird pervy level because it was shot GoPro-y or video. Yeah. So then it started terribly. Yeah. And it was shot terribly and on video. So it was like more of that creep factor where you're like, oh, I don't like this type of film. So we scanned to some Corey Feldman where he had the the long hair over his face (laughs) for reasons. Certainly. Um, So we get to, and it was shot like on 12 different cameras. Every time we watched a scene, it was shot on a different camera from the previous scene. So there's models being filmed shot maybe on a Canon 5D because it actually looked pretty good. Yeah. Went into an office scene with Corey and it was shot on like a Sony Hi8. It looks like Hi8, yeah. And the uh, yeah, audio absolutely. was bouncing off the walls. It, was, it wasn't mic'd. <laughs> nope. It was just, hey, that's what we recorded. We recorded on the camera. Yeah, exactly. It was like, let me go make a movie. Look, if you don't know anything about movie making, yes, you wouldn't think that you needed a uh, two-man sound crew or three-man sound crew sometimes um or a, just even putting like the zoom which we have now you can add like a wireless well, now, to it like, now you, you can, can do a lot a lot more yeah than just like the the camera the mic that comes on the camera right yeah so there was that uh shot on high eight it was probably edited in uh premieres I know. It's like I don't want to shit on any of them. But it's probably not even for me. It's probably iMovie or something where you have, like, he was always using the Solarize or the Posterize. For no reason. For for no reason. All of a sudden, the frame starts doubling and the center cut frame, like, just starts shrinking for for no apparent reason. I got, I don't know why, but I got really uncomfortable just watching it. It just was so frenetic and so there was no rhyme or reason for literally anything it was almost like an acting to an 80s trope where they would have it's that thing which i always hate in tv shows and i'm guilty of it because i'm told to do it is where they put up the record no no they're going to hold up a camera and record so you have to put on the frame the record light and the white little outline it's like it doesn't look like that nothing looks like that anymore hold up any camera for the most part, you won't even see records over to the side. So it's like, but you have to do it because you have to tell the audience that you're looking through the camera. Right. So I get it. But like 80s movies would do that. Like say this was the model movie. They'd go to the model shoot and make it look like the finished product. Like by, oh, we'll double up and exposure. We're going to make it look like how the end product is on the fly. Right. So you're like, all right, it is what it is. So so we cut to this weird Corey scene in the office. Then we go to a table with Corey, and that's when all of a sudden yeah, that, it, that it goes one, yeah. in. So there's yeah, there's this doubling frame around the scene. What what is that effect? Yeah, like a polarized effect sometimes. So someone would be talking no, no and be polarized. And then some guy's blue. Yeah, like we cut to the guy to talking and he was blue, but not because it's a um Well the whole frame is blue. Or the whole frame is blue. It, it, it's not the thing of it's like it's like David Lynch or even Oliver Stone did it oh. a couple times in like um I think it was a uh, natural, natural born, born killers, killers yeah. Where which is great, and I'm not even trying to put those together. Yeah, but yeah, no, I This know. thing of like, oh, he did it for this reason, and I understand why. And I'm all for weird. I love weird stuff. I love totally. like David Lynch. I love the fact like in Twin Peaks, that's the log lady. Or yeah, who's the lady with the log? That's the log lady. 
okay, you accept it. You're either going to explain it or you're not, and you're going to move on. This would have cut to the log lady, made her blue, and then doubled up the frame for no reason. Yeah. And that was, it was so frustrating to watch because this movie is streaming. It had like eight backers to it. Like, I don't think anyone knew what the final product was going to be. And remarkably, almost zero nudity, which was... Maybe that was what saved it. I I don't know. Because it starts off and you're like, oh, titty film. Like the old ones. This is how they made their money. There's there's going to be a chick like a lot of those um, off-brand sci-fi movies that we right. watch. There's always some girl in a hot tub with her top off. And you're like, oh. Yeah. Eh, that's I get it. You got to sell it overseas. People watching, you know? yeah. This one was, you know, I'm all for that too, you know. Oh, I'm part of the you know, anarchy. I'm the anarchist music, art movement. No. It's like when you watch Twin Peaks and the log lady... The thing is shot, I mean, just even today, you look at how well this thing is shot, the actors, the, the I mean, everything is top-notch. Yeah. So you, you can really put anything in there, and you go, I'm just drawn to it because yeah. of the way, how gorgeous the frame is. Again, we're not equating Lynch with no, 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 no. this guy, but... We're saying weird can be good weird, as opposed to weird where we don't know why. Right. And and I've seen some stuff like I saw a uh, uh, experimental film uh, at USC when I was there. Uh, somebody made it and shot sixteen, and it is just completely experimental, completely just. I don't really know what it was, but I could not keep my eyes off of it. it like it was so well shot, so beautiful, but it was just like completely you know experimental film, and I was like, wow, this is this changed the game for me as far as like you know just photographing things and, yeah. and things like that um well i think maybe that's what it is is this was all done in post without any ahead planning yeah it wasn't like i can't imagine him in the script stage going when we go to this meeting i'm gonna have the frame go in and then we're just gonna cut and it's gonna be blue you know, there's no way anyone wrote yeah. that down. No, it's no, no, exactly. <laughs> and that's what it was. And I think I had said, like, it's the guy like pushing buttons, like, oh, what can that do? Oh, what can I do? Let's do this. Let's do that. Oh, what is that frame thing that just sort of doubles the frame? Oh, let's put that in there. And just maybe it's like, just to show how like crazy this yeah. world is. And it's like, I, I don't know what's happening. Like, I'm fighting with this movie now. Yeah. I shouldn't be fighting with it. It should just be bad. Like, yeah. it should be that thing of like when we're like watching The Dangerous Place, like, all right, they're trying. It's just a subpar karate kid. Yeah. You know, that's all it is. It's like, all right, it's not a well-thought-out movie. It probably had a couple revisions, and it just kind of came down to just being okay. This was a not-thought-out movie. We're just going to shoot a bunch of stuff. Yeah, and, and that's the way it looked, the framing, you know. the You know, the, what's that one woman that was always there uh, in the agency, air quotes? Yeah. She was judgmental about something but i didn't know what she was judgmental about but they would always shoot her from from below but like half, oh, of, her, right. half of her face would kind of not be in the frame or the or she it'd be weird like we get most of the blinds three quarters of the frame is the blinds and then her and it's like why are we shooting it like was someone this? that was trying to be arty but not understanding why certain things work like yeah what if I just shot it this way? But it's like, why? It's like, why do you want it this way? As opposed to, 
I saw it one time. Yeah, but they probably did it for a reason for one shot. And now you're making every shot this up angle to a blinds and she's in the right-hand corner for some reason. Yeah. And, yeah. It's it's really hard to write a good script. Almost impossible to write a great one. But to write a good script, like, you really have to... You have to know and respect story, stuff like this. What I, f- what I feel like a lot of this stuff is a lot of people going, there's a lot of stuff on YouTube. I can make a movie. I can go ahead and go buy a camera right now. Fi- say I'm going to buy like a, a low rent. Well, you don't have to buy them. You can rent them. But like a, a cinema camera like for like 8000 bucks, You can buy it. They're giving these people $2 million to make these movies. Yeah. So you can buy a couple of $8,000 cameras, yeah. which I imagine they probably bought a lot of stuff they should have rented. <clears> yeah. Why things cost $2 million. And go out and make a make a movie. Yeah. You, t- you certainly can. Yeah. And you can cut it on Final Cut or whatever. And yes, you can do that. But in order to make a good one, you know, it takes a lot of work and a lot of time. I'm not of the opinion that it takes a lot of money because, you know, that whole thing where everyone says, oh, the the, the movie looks low budget. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, no, it just looks like people didn't put their time in it. Yeah. Um, you can do stuff that if you know how to do it, that uh, the mo- where the movie you can make a movie to where it looks like you had uh, more money than you actually did. If you use the locations right, if you know how to uh employ the principles of photography of perspective of um artistic principles right you know how you cast it all comes down to that thing that you start with which is that script if that's not yeah good i'm not saying great you know just good enough yeah to where you and i can go okay i kind of get what's going on then you know you're going to end up like this especially if you don't know what what you're doing yeah and there was a lot and I don't know what Corey, Corey's been in blockbuster movies, and I know where he 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 in his head right now is in a different place. But you gotta go to these sets thinking these guys don't know what they're doing, like what is going on here. And I'm not saying he's not doing that, right? But like the Zombie King one, what which he wasn't the Zombie King. Just remember that he was not. He was Cal Fu something, which I'm sure he he Cal wanted Fu. to be Cal Fu. Maybe they offered him Zombie King. He said, no, I I want the media role. Yeah, it's like no, I'm the Zombie King. No, 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 no. That would be that character. This is the one where you get makeup. Oh, I want makeup. Yeah. But see, like with that, it's like, all right, I'm shooting one day, have makeup on, and I can ham it up. Yeah. You know, and it's British. It's like one of those things like, no, Maybe you're going to show up. London, you're yeah. going to you're gonna be the, uh, not the zombie king. You're going to be Cal Fu. You're the devil. You're basically going to eat up the scenery with your fingerless gloves yeah. and everything. And it's like, awesome. This may be, oh, this is the worst side of modeling. Oh, I'm interested. Well, there had to be a script fingers crossed there was a like yes there was but this was a putting employed all the wrong people because you think about i always go to clerks because that is like one of those examples i mean you go to el mariachi it was seven thousand dollars yeah that twenty seven thousand dollars that kevin smith spent or charged was equipment rental and film processing because he knew he's like well i got to shoot on film which was something you kind of had to do in the, the 90s you can go buy a canon camera you can go to best buy right now buy a canon camera you can buy a, a a lesser version of the zoom which is still record the audio it's like one more of a one channel audio right and still go make clerks but he started off with a script and that's the thing he wrote a solid script 
his all his main cost was just equipment rental. He could literally cut that in half with that same script. He had the location. He cast all those actors, you know, with no pay or whatever. But you could do that for half now, if not less, mm-hmm. and still make it because it's a good script, right? You know, and that's the thing. What what I what I learned and sort of told myself in film school was like, if you have a solid script, I mean a solid script, you can go onto the set, and obviously, when you go onto the set, it's about, you know, what problems are going to arise, today. right? Like. How am I gonna battle today to get to make my day? Right. It's it's not gonna come easy, you know. There's always gonna be something going wrong. Well, right. <laughs> we did watch. Uh, maybe it was a terror inside. We did watch. I mean, it was a dangerous place. But we did watch a uh, Corey film that did take place in the studio where I shot my. Oh yeah, my dangerous film. place. Yeah, yeah. yeah, dangerous where I shot my student film. They shoot in a parking lot. You don't know what the parking lot, but where the truck was parked, that's that's in the parking lot. And in that parking lot, I'll never forget it, there was was a, I'll just say there was a uh, pretty big network uh, that shot TV movies there. And uh, they were supposed to clear out their trucks out of the parking lot because that was my location that day. And it was up to the studio to get those guys to move their trucks because they parked them uh, over the weekend. That's when I shot mm-hmm. over the weekend. Um, and, of course, you get there Saturday morning. The trucks are still there. Of course. And we go, okay, so we're calling all day to get these people to move these trucks. Pissed because it's like I, I don't have any money for to make up days or right. anything. I'm a student. So... We still dress the set. We still get everything done because it's a night shoot. So night comes around. They're still there. And then we finally get a hold of someone. Someone had to, I guess, come back off of a date in San Diego. Don't know why they were <laughs> yeah. on a date in San Diego. But they had to drive back in order to uh, get the keys to the truck and drive it. And it was an issue because, as you know, the only people that drive trucks are Teamsters. Right. And so in order for this person to put the key in the ignition and drive it off the lot... They have to get a day's rate or something, right. and and in a weekend rate at that. Of course, they're not happy about that, but they will do it because that's a good rate. Yeah, and yeah, and probably more than the your student film cost. For sure. Yes. <laughs> so it's like the guy was happy to do it, but he was like, "Cause I'm just making it for just really ten minutes of me driving mm. it off the lot." And they were like, "Well, you guys can move it yourselves. I can tell you where the keys are." But if there's any equipment broken inside, that's on you. No, I'm no, not. I'm like, no, you are going to move this. Yeah, if it was a van, maybe. Yeah. It's like, is there anything in it? No. All right, I'll back the van up just a little bit. Right. Just get it out of my one shot. But this is a big, you know, big production vehicle. So they came. I in. can't even believe they would give you that option. Hey, do you want to drive this big truck? I, c- no. I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't, but then I could, knowing. Anyway, yeah. So. <laughs> So he comes in, he drives it off the lot, and it was like, all right, nice. Now we can shoot. Yeah. You know, I got kids, man. I got like 14-year-old girls. Yeah. So I've had them there for a few hours. So as you know, yeah. I can only have kids there for a certain amount of hours, yeah. and they have to leave. You know, I got a studio teacher there. Yeah. So I'm like, I, I, I can't just like wait around yeah. for them to do it. I'm like, this is really time consuming here you're burning my my time with these kids and we <laughs> we get ready we rehearse you know yeah. scene works really well it's like a sort of magical scene in the movie and um i yell action 
and the DP, you know, strikes the camera, and mm. it's like, oh, hold on, wait, battery. Ugh. Did not charge the battery that day. Wow. Every time I see that that little error, so when I saw that area yesterday, yeah. I was like, <sighs> you know, and I was like, okay, green screen now. But it was like, yeah. I had a superstar AC, right? Who yeah. was great and just, but he didn't charge the battery that day. And it was like, you got to be kidding me. So we we're like, yeah, calling I mean, you're, yeah, you're doing all your checks. And, and it's probably one of those things. It's, they're small. You're running fast. So you're like, I think, yeah, everything's good. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the camera's set up. We're good. And, wow. Yeah. It was one of those guys who like came through so much and had like a really nice demeanor. Mm-hmm. And he just knew, like, okay, it's something he just, spaz out on he wasn't a like screw up or anything like that it was like this guy has been saving yeah. my ass the whole time and it's like he just forgot yeah so i can't get mad at him so we were calling around yeah. some friends who were also shooting yeah. that weekend to see if they were done and they had like a battery pack that we could sort of borrow yeah. while we charged this one couldn't do it and it was just like i had to send the kids home and it was like it was so frustrating that like after all that stuff of getting the Right. Sorry, guys. After all that stuff, after getting all the... Well, all that time that could have been charging, yeah. just yeah. not thinking about it. And, and it was like, we spent all that time trying to get the trucks out, get everything cleared out, about to shoot, really happy with the scene, and we have no power. And it's like, you got to be kidding me. Because, I mean, maybe if those trucks were already gone, you might have thought about that. Yeah. No, You might totally. have been setting up, hey, make sure the batteries are charged. We're good, right? We, we can roll in like an... Oh, Got the battery because you could even charge for an hour and got yeah. something, you know, and because we might have been able to like do some because it was a night shoot, so we started in a day and lighting yeah. and stuff like that, and building. I uh, had a whole uh, art department and everything, mm-hmm. so um, we could have probably shot some test things like during the day, yeah. just so and go, oh, the battery's not, and then go charge right. it, and then by that night, I think we'd been fine, but it was the whole thing about the, like the once the trucks and then yeah. that just threw your and that probably threw everyone off like god i wonder if these trucks are going to move and you're still trying to set up and everyone just like yeah no one dropped the ball it was just a shitty mistake yeah i think it was like 12 12 1500 bucks a day that i was as a student was was burning just for shooting so you were more angry at Corey feldman by watching that movie right than <laughs> exactly somehow you need an apology Look, Corey, you need to at us at Twitter, owe John an apology for some reason. <laughs> even though it had nothing to do with you. Corey, you need to apologize yeah. for that. Um, I don't even know, know what I was saying. But th- things happen on on the set that, you know, yeah. you know, once you make your day, um, thank God, because tomorrow is going to be something else. Something new. You know, but if that script is solid, because my script, though, was so solid. When I went on set, whatever happened, like I knew that I knew the world enough that right. like I could be like, okay, we can't do that. Okay, I know what we can do quickly. I know what we can do to save the scene, and we still have the story. We still have the story points because I know the world and yeah. I know everything about it. Um, and so, and I'm prepared that you may have to shift things along during the way, uh, along the way, just yeah. because you don't know what things are going to come up. Um, the whole Spielberg thing of plan, 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 but leave room for God to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just like the I guess the Indiana Jones sequence where the guy's doing the whole sword thing yeah, or whatever yeah. and he shoots him. That's not how it is in the script. You right. Know? There's a whole fight, but they were way behind schedule and they didn't have time to do the fight, so Spielberg goes, Just shoot him. And now it's, a, it's now that it's, seems more iconic. I know. Now. And now it's a nightmare. <laughs> exactly. So it's like you have to you have to leave room for things to just fall apart, and you have to know that you have to just pick it up and go. You know, it's part of the AD's job too. But as someone who's directing, you know, if you're the screenwriter, more it's easier. Mm-hmm. But I think as a director, you still have to know the script enough that if something's not working, you got to know how to change it. These scripts, and I don't know if there were scripts for, for these movies that we were watching. I really don't know. Now the the dangerous place has to have. A yeah, yeah. That you, the timing they made that that was that movie had a script. Yeah, I seriously doubt that the exposure right had any script. I mean, it, if it did, you know, more power to you. Had like more power v- to anyone who can read that and go, okay, I'll do well, it. Well, and that was the thing that had a, if anything, had a vague outline. They had good locations, just misused. And that was the thing. It's like, all right, we're going to do some model thing. We have this, 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 and this. Just make a better film. I mean, I know it's easier said than done, but you had good location. It wasn't like, oh, that movie was just barred from the fact that they never left this one room. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it, it is all about the crew. Um, that same studio where I shot uh, my student film yeah. and where Dane's play shot, uh, Spielberg's Catch Me If You Can also yeah. shot there. Different movies, but obviously one's a lot better than the other right um you said saw was there too right and saw was there and nightmare on elm street so like obviously it's just on how you use the space yeah no totally it's great for horror and yeah. it's great for a lot of different things but uh it, it works too as a studio too because yeah. i used it actually the apartment set that i used i saw in um catch me if you can and yeah. some of the art department production design choices that i made mm-hmm. like were in the movie I was like, oh, he kept that. You're like, um, I'm retiring. Yeah, <laughs> I did it, everyone. <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's really for me. It's kind of painful because I'm like, if I if I had a million dollars and these locations, and a lot of times these actors, not mm-hmm. necessarily like in certain movies, but like Fat Banderas and you know, um, Urban and yeah. all these, like I, I'd find a way to like you utilize them. Yeah, I'd probably scale it try to scale it down because I feel like a lot of these movies try to go too big and yeah. it just seems like it's silly yeah. that you get some worldwide you know uh, epidemic you know on a million dollar but it's like it's not you're not going to make it look like anything yeah. like that but um, you know where you have half the movie of people's watching a screen you know it's like okay <laughs> you know you get like actors that are pretty decent in a room together watching a screen it's like this is just not, you know. Yeah, and, Wesley Snipe watched that screen for yeah. like thirty minutes. Yeah, we were watching, <laughs> we were watching people watch something that we didn't really understand the story yeah. to. It's crazy. I don't, I don't understand it. And I don't know how many times you've said, literally, nothing has happened. <laughs> like in every movie, it's like nothing has happened at all. No, no, literally, they moved into this one room. Twenty minutes. Like there'll be a few times. Like, look, I'm just gonna fast forward to something happening. Twenty five minutes later, it's like, oh my god, they're still in the room. And it's not like a Tarantino thing because all Tarantino's movies are in a room. Yeah. But it's just all about his dialogue. Yeah. But then that would move the story along. These guys were just like, oh, what's going on? Look yeah. over there. Something's happening. It's like it's it's hard. The thing about being writer, like <laughs> writing, it's hard 
to get people out of a room. I mean, that's something that no one talks about, but in writing plays, writing uh, screenplays, it's hard to get people out of a room because you go into the room and you go, okay, here's the scene. And you go, how do I go from here to the, like, you don't think in terms of scenes and time cuts and different things that you can do to like move it along. Editing. Uh, so you just go, wow, I'm here. So how do I get them? Like, I got to get it from here to the coffee shop, right? Now, how do we go there? Okay, now he's going to walk out, and then we go, oh, in the hallway. We'll go scene in the hallway. It's like, yeah. no, you just cut from here to the coffee shop. Yes, logically, they would have had that conversation in the hall, but it just looks better at the coffee yeah. shop, and we just jump to it. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's like thinking like, you know, like a movie. So I think a lot of people are sort of writing themselves into that. I remember Ray Romano <laughs> said the first time he wrote a script, you know, he had himself in a, a room or something, and like for like half the the show, and he's like, I, I don't know how to get him out of this room. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I, I couldn't figure out how to get him out of this room. He's like, the whole show is going to take place in this one room. He's like, it's really hard. He's like, to to do. And so he's like, I respect, you know, writers. You but know? I love that that was his thing. It's yeah. like, no, no, writers, whatever. And then he starts writing. How do you get out of rooms? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah he said, ah, I don't know how to get out of rooms. <laughs> and I probably had just written something where I was having trouble doing that. So when he said, I was like, yes, I'm having the same problem. It's trying to think about the fact that, you know, you and I think about it because you go, oh, man, why is he, why is he stolen my bag? I'm going to talk to him, you know? And then you go, you cut to him at, you know, the guy's front door knocking. Why have you stolen my bag? You go, well, why didn't he just call him on the cell phone? And right. Ask? You know, you go, well, if he did, that's not as dynamic as him going to see the guy. Right. Going. So it's just like, you got to think about it. Like, what's it like to shoot? Yeah. How is it more interesting? Like you said. Um, and once you start doing that, it becomes more fun because yeah. then you think, okay, we'll go to this location. And just, and as a viewer, you think, wow, this this thing kind of moves it has a, like a dynamism to it yeah because we're not just in that one room yeah you could have a conversation you and i could have a conversation a long conversation here right but i wouldn't want to watch a movie no like it's that. like yeah it's like we'll start here we'll go here and yeah. we'll make reasons why we have to go right. to places and then it makes the hour and a half move a lot faster you're like oh because if not i mean once again hateful eight is all in one room but they use that room yeah, they and they idle. It. It's that thing of moving things around. You can be in one place, but you have to have a reason. You right. just can't be locked in the freezer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Every 80s trope. <laughs> oh, we're locked in the freezer. Oh, can't get them out. Oh, and then the one person comes in oh, who saves you. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, okay. At the end of the movie, it's. And then the whole time you think, like, I remember as a kid just going, I wonder why. They wouldn't have, like, the door that... Why would the door lock? Why wouldn't you... Yeah. It just seems, like, just smart. Like, this is going to be a thing that you're going to go in and out of. Why Locks, would you... you can't get out. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's like, hmm. I got the new freezer that only... That locks. If you get in there, you're going to be stuck. Why would I want that? Yeah. I'm going to be in and out of the freezer. I work here alone. It's Yeah, it's like, well, yeah, why am I... Yeah, if I'm in <laughs> it, why would I not want to just get out of it? It's not... It's a door. Why would I need a lock on a freezer in a restaurant anyways? Yeah. I would just lock. need it to close. Yeah. I don't need it to lock. Those are questions they didn't answer. Locking inanimate objects in. I'm not like locking them in so they can't get like if yeah. I'm in there I want to Yeah, they just make Yeah, it's like I'm putting cold things in there to cook. Yeah. And to preserve. 
I don't need a I don't need it's vacuum sealed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't We're going to run out of air. No, it's a freezer. Air is getting pumped in yeah, the whole time. Like, we're never going to run out of air. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I mean it's but but it it works. I remember <laughs> yesterday you watched that movie you're like the phone they have a phone <laughs> there's a phone call <laughs> on a landline it's like oh right yeah we're watching that 80s movie yeah. and they got a call and it was like then they was like love, yeah. yeah it was like go turn on the tv what is happening because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now would be like hey someone just sent me this uh interview on my phone so yeah. it was just that weird i mean time of yeah. course but it's just so weird like that was a that was how you got out of rooms yeah there's a phone call all right, I'm out of the room now. Exactly. And then that phone call would take you to the next scene. Exactly. It would get you out of the bedroom, then get you out of the house. Now it's just like, look at your phone. That yeah. movie would be a lot more boring. It's like, that, oh, yeah. You know what someone should do? I'm sure someone already has. They do, like, recreations of scenes or movies where, you know, it's, they have cell phones instead of, like, landlines. And yeah. see how boring it would be. You know, text, text. Okay. Every movie would be 20 yeah. minutes. <laughs> exactly. My God, they're, they're going to they're gonna have an accident. Hold on. All right, solved it. Yeah. Oh. They're going the wrong way. Just call them on the phone. They're in their car. Hey, you're going the wrong way. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I just turn around. <laughs> be like, you know, horror movies. Hello? Who is this? I'm going to kill you. It's like on the landline where you didn't have caller ID. Yeah. Now it's like, who is this? Oh, I'm not going to answer that. And, yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah. Unknown caller. All right. Yeah. Set it down. And then they cut to the the bad guy trying to die. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do I have to register my right. account? So he has to like register. It's just like... I'm Alan Smithy. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're Alan Smithy. I'm not Alan Smithy. Yeah, still exactly. Not I yeah, still, you still not <laughs> That's so funny. No. But I do love, though, the fact that, like, you have to do that, though, in horror films or anything. No cell service. All right, cool. Yeah. We're letting the audience know there's no out. Right. We have to let it. Because if not, it's like, why didn't someone just call the police by yeah. now? You know? Exactly. Yeah, someone's phone has to die and or there's no cell service. You just walk in. Do you have a plug? No, my phone's dead. All right. The way it has to be, yeah. you know. <laughs> All right, I think that's it. I think we learned enough about fingerless gloves and Yeah. So if you have a bad guy, leather jacket. Always. It always it always works. And if you're editing on Premiere, use every effect possible cuz it makes the movie yeah. fantastic. The, the effects that came with the program, yeah, though. Yeah. No third-party effects. No, no, none of the good ones. Just yeah. like, oh, barn door. Great. That's my transition to Absolutely. the next scene. Barn door everything. Nice. All right, this has been Post Apocalyptic. This is Rob. This is John. Take it easy.